It's Wednesday, and there's no Locked On Gamecocks, so no crossover Wednesday this week. So we're going to try out a few new segments. First, we'll take a look at key matchups for Florida's offense, then matchups for Florida's defense, and then we'll talk about some South Carolina tendencies only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day, available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Happy Wednesday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of Whole9Sports.com, where you can find all of my written work. Now we're looking at the key matchups for Florida's offense against South Carolina's defense. Of course, next segment is Florida's defense for South Carolina's offense, that fun stuff. But one of the key points that I wanted to bring up for Florida's offense this week is that South Carolina plays a lot of man defense. And, you know, Georgia doesn't play a ton of man defense. They play match, things like that. But, you know, not just straight man defense. South Carolina plays a lot of man defense. And that, I don't think, bodes well for Florida when looking at this. Because Florida, one of the things that we do really well is we like to throw wide receiver screens. And I realize it's weird to say you throw wide receiver screens really well. But they do. Their receivers are very good blockers throughout, really. So that's a good thing for us, especially against zone defenses, because then we've got numbers as well. But when you look at man defense and you have a wide receiver screen, you don't have numbers at that point because you've got, let's say, three receivers on a side. You've got three defenders on a side. Two of them are blocking, and then you got just one-on-one between – it's an Oklahoma drill, essentially. And that – I don't know why I said essentially, essentially. But, (laughs) I mean, that that could bode well for us in ways, but it could also lead to – screens getting blown up you can't make a play if once you're catching it you're getting hit and that's something the florida could run into and also i think it's important to note that you know i do tape tuesday a lot every tuesday right after a game i do tape tuesday which means that i have to watch these games frequently and one thing that i've pointed out is against cover one florida has really struggled and given that south carolina already calls a lot of man coverage it wouldn't be too difficult for them if they wanted to play cover one to just drop a safety back there and then play man up front. And that's that doesn't bode well for Florida here. And we don't know necessarily what Anthony Richardson's timeline is going to be, if he's going to play or anything like that. So we don't know. If it's Emory Jones and South Carolina goes a lot of cover one, this game could get pretty ugly. And I, I'm not saying that we're not a great team. I think we are, but I think South Carolina's defense or at least pass defense, matches up pretty well with what we like to do on offense. So, I I mean, South Carolina's corners, they're not bad corners. They're not good, but they're not bad. And so if they want to play cover one, cover zero, and just dare Florida to throw the ball, could get pretty ugly. But on the flip side, Florida's running backs for South Carolina's defense is another key matchup here because South Carolina's defenders, they miss tackles. A lot, and Florida misses tackles a lot, but South Carolina misses tackles a lot. There are six defenders in this game 
that have 14% or higher missed tackle percentage. Five of those six defenders play for South Carolina. One plays for Florida. So South Carolina, they miss a lot of tackles. Florida's running backs are, I don't even want to say necessarily elusive um, because it's not just like a make a man miss. They run through tackles. They, they make plays with the ball in their hands. And South Carolina could struggle against that, specifically looking at guys like Damian Pierce, who despite his consistent production and his consistent efficiency and his consistent playmaking, got a uh, season high nine carries this past week. It was, it was, I mean, it's disgusting. It's like, yeah, he got a season high of carries, but it's only nine. That's like, that's nothing. I just give him the ball. He makes plays. This could be the game where Florida's running game explodes again, which is something that we've been looking for since the first month of the season. Our run game has not been bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it certainly hasn't been as good as it was through the first weeks. And I'm not just talking about when we were putting up 400 yards against Florida Atlantic. Bama, our run game was working. Our running game needs to get back on track in order for this offense to get back on track. And there's never been a better game to do so than against South Carolina, where again, they have five defenders, which is almost half of your defense that misses tackles on 14% or higher of their tackle opportunities. And a lot of it's linebackers too. It's not just corners missing tackles because corners generally suck at tackling. I would know I was when I was terrible at tackling, but linebackers for South Carolina struggle with tackling. And that is where Florida should really clean up this week. All right, college football fanatics. Have you heard about prize picks? PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. PrizePix offers every sport you can think of. I'm talking NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. PrizePix offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five, like Anthony Richardson, Emory Jones, Damian Pierce, Rick Wells, Trent Whittemore, whoever you want, including some smaller players that you might not have heard of, like if last night you watched Bryant Kobach or Bryce Mitchell play against Eastern Michigan for Toledo, you could have bet on that. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries. You can take the over on LeBron points with the under on Mahomes rushing yards in the same entry if you'd prefer to do that. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. You guys know by this point, I grew up around the block from a McDonald's. I still live around the block from one, but a different one. But, you know, I, I digress. But I used to go two to three times a week to the McDonald's around the block from my house. After school with friends, we'd go back to my house, play video games. We would go and we would just hang out with the manager because it was owned. It was a family-owned McDonald's. They owned a chain of them. The manager was one of their sons. We'd go. We'd talk Jets the whole time, which sucked. We'd talk Giants the whole time, which was dope. We'd talk college football in general. And even last night, I went to go get some just because I was in the area. I was in the neighborhood, even though I still live in the same neighborhood. But whatever. I was in the area, so I got McDonald's last night. It it, it brings back good memories for me. So I'm just saying I, I love it. You guys should. It's amazing. If you haven't had McDonald's before, by the way, fight me because that's absurd. But head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect with people. Did somebody say Locked On Gators watch party? ba I'm loving it. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are free and available on all platforms. Now we're going to look at some key matchups for Florida's defense against South Carolina's offense, which, I mean, this is where there's a huge talent gap. South Carolina's offense has been bad. 
Florida's defense has been pretty damn good for the majority of the year, but still big plays and poor game planning, but being covered up by just having talented defenders. Uh, but we're going to take a look at this because Gators' interior defensive line versus South Carolina's interior offensive line is going to be what sets the tone, which is kind of funny because last week I was like, Gators' interior offensive line needs to set the tone against Georgia's interior defensive line. But now we get to be on the flip side of that argument where Gators' interior defensive line is just full of straight menaces with Javon Dexter, Daquan Newkirk, Antonio Valentino all playing significant snaps and all performing in those significant snaps. And South Carolina's interior offensive line has struggled all year long. I realize you're probably going to hate how I just did that, but guess what? I don't give a damn. Uh, specifically, guard Jovan Gwynn has struggled a lot for South Carolina, not just as a run blocker, but also as a pass protector. Uh, Gwynn has allowed 13 pressures this season, which, I mean, that doesn't sound like a ton when you consider just how often people pass block, but South Carolina doesn't pass block a ton. But Jovan Gwynn allows 13, uh, has allowed 13 pressures this season, which is the most from any offensive lineman in this game, not just interior, not just on South Carolina, but any offensive lineman in this game. And when you put it in that perspective, it's pretty bad considering usually the pass rush should come from the exterior, but Jovan Gwynn here is leading the game in pressures allowed, which sucks for South Carolina, especially with a guy like I'd imagine Jervon Dexter is the one that lines up against him for the most part of this game. The next key matchup for Florida's defense against the South Carolina Gamecocks this Saturday, the Gators defenders in general. I'll, I'll talk more about linebackers and safeties than just defenders, but Gators defenders versus South Carolina's run blocking scheme because South Carolina runs zone runs on about two thirds of their rushes. It's about 64%, which is 2% away from two thirds. So who cares? But South Carolina is a very zone run heavy scheme. And that's important to talk about because Florida's defenders, they haven't been great with reading and reacting in the run game or as much as they should be. So it's crucial that Gators linebackers and safeties be able to find the lanes that are created by the South Carolina offensive line and attack those lanes. The defensive line, obviously for Florida needs to get some push up front to really help clean things up and disrupt those rushing lanes. But the linebackers and safeties have to be able to finish plays. Not so much the corners, even on these wide runs, I would expect the safeties to get there first, but you've got zone gapping a uh, zone blocking scheme here. And that means that you're probably going to have every D lineman blocked at some point, whether or not it's a successful block is obviously very different, but we're talking schematically here. The, the D line is going to have at least someone on them in their path. And then you've got your linebackers have to slide over and diagnose the play, especially if we look at wide zone runs, which Florida has been very good at. So that's one thing where yes, Gators defenders have struggled with reading, reacting, diagnosing, attacking all those, all those fun words, all those fun verbs. But at the same time, when they're in practice, they get to see that from Florida's offensive line. And yes, Florida's offensive line has shifted as the season gone on a little more towards gap blocking scheme, which would make sense why the, why our rushing attack has slowed down because we are better suited for zone blocking. But I'm hoping that with Florida's defense getting used to seeing these zone blocking schemes against in practice weekly, I, I would like to think that our defenders, specifically our linebackers, could diagnose these plays. And our safeties are fantastic. Not 
super great at the actually finishing the tackle part for trading and specifically Rashad Torrance has been fine there. But I, I think that our defense really matches up well here because yeah, the zone blocking scheme and reading reacting, that's not been great for Florida's defense, but I think being able to see it a lot, which I'd imagine is happening because again, Gators offensive line has been pretty good zone blocking not so much man blocking, uh, eh, pretty rough. Um, but I, I, I think that the Gators defenders are well equipped here, specifically when you look at the fact that our defensive line is better than most defensive lines that South Carolina has played against this year. So our defensive line can, can disrupt those zone schemes. And again, you're going to see man blocking schemes here. And that's kind of what I'm more worried about than just the zone blocking scheme. But it's important to talk about the zone block scheme because it's what they do a huge majority of times. But man blocking has been what's killed Florida. That counter trap that we saw LSU pull off so many times. I think it was 14 times we saw that counter trap come out. And then against Georgia, we saw them bring a counter trap, which they don't naturally do. They just knew that that would beat Florida. So they ran the counter trap. So that's what I'm more worried about than anything else. But South Carolina is a team that they want to zone block. They want to bring that little finesse out on you. And the Gators defenders have to be able to diagnose that, come up and make those stops. But the big key here also is not blowing it on a consistent basis because uh, tackling has been a bit of an issue for Florida. I don't want to say it's been a big problem, but it's been a giant disaster for much of the season for Florida. I don't know about you guys, but football season's here, basketball season's here, baseball playoffs are here, but about to end, and hockey season's here, and I've been watching that, so now I'm constantly watching games, constantly snacking. By the way, we have football every single day until the end of November, so be happy about that. Matching, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a beautiful thing. So I'm constantly snacking on sugar-filled and salty snacks, but I eat Built Bar now to kind of keep me in check there so I still get my sweet tooth but I don't have to worry about all the gross stuff that's in sweet food. Bill Bar is the best protein bar on the market. If you're trying to eat clean, but you've got a sweet tooth like me, that is no longer a problem. Bill Bar is your low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber solution. You can even enjoy Bill Bar if you're keto. Remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. Anybody else make money this past weekend? I did, kind of, kind of more than I usually do. But, you know, I got lucky with some things. Had three parlays, almost hit. But luckily, I hit the round robin and singles. So, made plenty off them. Just going to let you know that. But, uh, yeah, I use Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. I even got my two best friends to start using Bet Online, and they had never gambled before in their lives. So, I'm having a blast with it. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality tv with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine it is the best way to place your bets and it's 100 free sign up head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sports big extra to make sure to use promo code locked on that is l-o-c-k-e-d no space O-N for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit with betonline.ag remember that one Looking at some South Carolina tendencies for this year that we can probably keep track of going into this game. I've already spoke about South Carolina's zone blocking tendencies. I just want to explain that a little bit more. Zone blocking is designed to create multiple rushing lanes so that the running back can kind of pick and choose where he goes. He just has to make a cut and go upfield and make some stuff happen. Florida not being a super disciplined team with sticking in their lanes. 
that's going to be a little bit of an issue possibly, but I'm hoping again that with being able to practice against this Gators offensive line, this Gators rushing attack, which does like to go a bit zone, but has been shifting towards gap, which I hate. Uh, I, I'd like to think that this defense is well-equipped to attack this South Carolina rushing attack. And it's also that, again, our defensive line is significantly better than their offensive line. So hopefully we'll be able to disrupt before the rushing lanes even open up. That would be ideal for Florida. South Carolina's quarterbacks, Zeb Nolan and Jason Brown, whichever one is going to start this week, they both played pretty good deal. They've rotated in a lot due to injuries and just benchings and all that fun stuff. Uh, but they like to keep it short. 45% of the passes from Zeb Nolan and Jason Brown combined go between zero and nine yards downfield. Only 10% of passes go further than 20 yards downfield. Looking at both of them, again, Zeb Nolan's got more pass attempts than Jason Brown, sure, significantly, but the percentages are relatively close, telling you that these quarterbacks like to keep the tendencies the same or keep the passing distances the same. And the play calling here is designed to keep the ball short for South Carolina. If I'm Florida, if I'm Todd Grantham, which thank God I'm not, uh, I'm going to call a lot of cover to this week. And I'm going to essentially dare South Carolina to push the ball both vertically downfield and to the sideline because one, our corners want the ball. Two, our safeties want the ball. Three, neither South Carolina quarterback has the ability to push that ball deep or down the sideline consistently at all. And we saw Rashad Torrance do it against Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett doesn't have a great arm. He pushed the ball vertically down the sideline. Rashad Torrance is there to pick it off. I want to see more of this cover two, even cover three, and just dare them to throw it. But again, cover two is more equipped or Cover two is better at daring people to challenge you deep than cover three is. So I want to see more cover two than anything else because I am so confident that this defense could actually force some turnovers if they were to do so. The last thing to talk about here is something that is, it's not something that a lot of people are going to look at, but it's something that we're going to talk at keeping tight ends into block. That is something South Carolina does more than more than most schools do, keeping a tight end to block, not just any tight end, they're starting tight end. It's not like bringing in another tight end. It's basically an offensive lineman like Lee Smith is similarly used to the Atlanta Falcons, even though he's been getting more involved in the passing game. But one advantage to playing against South Carolina is that they keep their tight end, Nick Muse, into block. One, he's a better receiver than most of their receivers, so keeping him into block is just dumb on their part, but also their offensive line is bad. So passing downs... Sometimes you just got to keep Nick Muse into block. But Nick Muse, the starting tight end for South Carolina, is into block on about 24% of his passing down snaps. It's like 24.4%. But that means that Florida essentially, essentially here, a quarter of the time is going to have a free defender that could either blitz or drop another guy into coverage and then have it just four rushing seven back. That's, that's big if that's the route you want to take. But you could also do what I would do, similarly to how I gave my take on challenging Zeb Nolan and Jason Brown. I'm going to give my little take here on how to not challenge this tight end into block, but a way to scheme defensively against this. You can give Jeremiah Moon the responsibility of lining up on the strong side that Nick Muse will be lined up on. If Nick Muse comes into block, 
rush him. Simple as that. If Nick Muse doesn't block, have Jeremiah Moon drop back into coverage or take over the flat so that it's not a huge responsibility. If he is rushing, you'd have other people there to make plays. I, I think a big part of this for Florida, if you want to challenge South Carolina's offense a lot, which you should try to do because their offense isn't good to begin with, so make them earn it. I think a big thing to do here is put Jeremiah Moon on Nick Muse. And again, if Nick Muse stays in to block, then Jeremiah Moon is going to rush. If he doesn't, then Jeremiah Moon is dropping in coverage. I think the importance with specifically saying Jeremiah Moon is that up until this year, he was primarily an edge rushing outside linebacker. He was a buck, you know? He was a pass rusher. So if you get the tight end blocking and then you bring an actually skilled pass rusher in at him, Jeremiah Moon can probably win that battle more often than not. And if Nick Muse is in, and if Nick Muse is running around, then you have Jeremiah Moon, who's this year been playing in, inside linebacker and been in coverage quite a bit. Then you have another guy in coverage who can play in coverage. That's what Jeremiah Moon gives you that a lot of linebackers don't give you. We wouldn't get that if we had Ventro Miller out there, which I wish we did as the other linebacker, but we wouldn't get that with Ventro Miller. Tyron Hopper, not as good a pass rusher, so we don't get that from him. Amari Bernie, not as good a pass rusher, so we don't get that from him. Jeremiah Moon gives us that advantage of having someone who we could say, okay, blitz on this. Blitz if the offense does this. If not, drop back. And we get that advantage with Jeremiah Moon. So take advantage of that. That's something Todd Grantham has not done well since the first month of the season is use Jeremiah Moon in a variety of roles and get him involved. And honestly, I've been clamoring for it all, all season and all offseason. I want to see us get our chess pieces out there. Donovan McMillan, Dewan Black, get them on the field somewhere and just let them make plays. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. Tomorrow, we'll get into the Florida-South Carolina predictions. Now make your second listen, Lockdown SEC. Get all of your daily SEC news in less than 30 minutes with SEC expert Chris Gordy of Sports 790. It is free and available on all platforms. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work with Whole9Sports.com. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. Be sure to check out my pinned tweet and let Lockdown know why Gator Nation is the best fan base in all of college football. And I will see you all tomorrow.